Blog Talk Radio. Hello world, in a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love and it's what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. We have a dream, we go traveling together. We spread a little love and it will keep moving on. Something always happens whenever we're together. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bo. So great to be with you. It is a great show. It is our favorite show that we do every year. Trish McFarlane, I would have to say, at least it's my favorite show. It is the HR Happy Hour Oscars Preview and Prediction Show. How are you today, Trish? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. You can I just say something? Can I let the listeners into a little behind the scenes HR happy hour uh kind of backstage drama? Can I do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to. Go ahead. You are the ultimate professional, Trish. As as the last bars of Get Happy were playing launching the show. You joined the live show, which was fantastic. That is a pro. Pro move. Kudos to you. I have to tell you, it's because I somehow wind up getting my calendar back to back. I'm still going to say, for the record, that I think Outlook or whatever calendar app people use, there needs to be a five or ten minute gap between meetings. It either needs to end at like ten till the hour, right, so that you can get yeah. ready for the next one, or we don't. It never ends that way. So anyway. Or maybe just like a little AI kind of mixed into your calendar. That is, if you attempt to book, say, that 3 o'clock uh, meeting or call, and you are already booked from, say, 2 till 3, you might get a little, hey, Trish, you might want to consider giving yourself a few minutes here, right? Because you're, you're about to do a back-to-back. No, that, could, that could be that useful. Work, I don't think that would work, though. Because think about it, when, especially if you're in an office setting or something like that where uh, meetings person, you don't really have that luxury, right? You can't just lose that whole hour of potentially meeting with the people you're supposed to be meeting with. So that's what happens. Meetings get, you know, back to back throughout your day. And um, I think the only hope is ending them earlier, but that's a huge culture change to get people to actually end meetings. (laughs) This isn't a meeting show. Maybe we need a meeting show, but my philosophy when I work in, um, in corporate HR anyway, and I ran, you know, some fairly large teams was I would book whatever amount of time, say I'd book 30 minutes. I didn't use up 30 minutes ever. If the meeting happened to be a 17 minute meeting, it was a 17 minute meeting. If it was a 38 minute meeting, it was a 38, you know what I mean? So I think I've worked more though, where people, if they book an hour, they are going to take every single moment of that full hour. So anyway. Well, 
I'm glad you made it uh, here for this hour because this is really the most fun hour of the HR Happy Hour calendar, I think, of the Oscar show. Mm-hmm. So for, for newer listeners who may have not uh, be familiar with what we do here on the Oscar show, we take this show every year, usually a few days before the Oscars, just like this year, and we break down the best picture nominees, best director, best actors and actresses, and we just dive into it. It's basically a show about movies. Maybe we'll mix in a little if there's some workplace kind of parallels to some of the movies. We might talk about that some, but maybe we won't. But it's a fun show. We love movies. We love seeing them. It's a good exercise for us each year to kind of get us out of the house and, and out of the meetings, right, and go check out some great films. So, so true. I am super excited about the show. But, Trish, we have some, uh, a couple of, just a couple of quick announcements we need to make before we get into the movies and a really special announcement as well. But first, of course, we're doing uh, great stuff on the network. Yeah, we're super excited. We've got some, uh, just in the recent archive shows we did on inclusiveness in the workplace on developing yourself, really cool kind of interesting show we had with Ben Brooks. Uh, We talked about HR and HR tech for small businesses uh, recently as well. So everything's in the archive uh, as well as on the new and improved www.hrhappyhour.net site. Um, we're still booking shows out for Q2 this year. So if you have an idea for a topic or a guest you'd like us to consider, you can tweet at us at HR Happy Hour or again, contact us through that new and improved website, hrhappyhour.net. And don't forget, of course, I like to mention at every show, the HR Happy Hour show on Alexa. Trish, we are two shows away on the Alexa show from show number 200. I can't believe there's almost 200 of those shows out there. Yeah. Crazy. You know, and I, I love think- that. And, and let everyone know that doesn't, that hasn't listened yet. Those are short little two, three minute bites yeah. of information that you can listen to so quickly um, as you start your day or if you're taking a break or you're working out, you're in your car, it's not a full episode. So they're really fun to listen to. Yeah, super interesting and fun. And uh, yeah, between two, three, four, sometimes four minutes. Sometimes I get a little wordy on them, the ones I do. But uh, anyway, check them out on your uh, Alexa device, uh, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts as well. They're also available just on every podcast app too. So let's get to the fun announcement, Trish, and the exciting announcement. And when we've been just, we can't, couldn't wait to announce it, and we finally are able to. Um, so yeah, should I go ahead and do it? I'll do it. And then then we can talk about it a little bit. But this HR Happy Hour show is sponsored by our friends at Paychex. Paychex ha- makes it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage their employees. They make payroll easy and automatic, and they handle benefits programs as well. Paychex guides businesses through their human resources challenges by keeping them up to date with ever-changing laws and regulations, online and on mobile, over the phone, in person, any combination of the above. With Paychex, they will work with you the way you want to work, and you can learn more about them at Paychex.com. But beyond just, you know, kind of reading that announcement, Trish, let's talk for a second about our friends at Paychex and how excited we are that they, uh, they're they joining us uh, on the HR Happy Hour show this year. I am, I have to tell you, I am so excited. I have actually had the pleasure of working with them um, a couple different times now, and so whether it's on um, – thinking through the strategic direction that they're taking. And as you mentioned, they, 
they really are doing quite a bit that people may not be familiar with or haven't had an update in a little while. So definitely checking out the website. Um, they have a great portion of their website called Insights, which you can really get exposed to articles, webinars, um, on every single topic in the employee life cycle. So it's a really good resource too, if you're not even quite in the market yet to be thinking about making a change. But, um, but what I like best is the people. They are so friendly, sincerely, and um, you know, I, I just can't say enough kind things about them. I've, you know, been on stage with, with Tom there at HR Tech last year, had a blast. Um, you know, obviously I'm a big payroll geek as any listener knows. And uh, so it's right up my alley, but yeah, I think it's important when you have um, a relationship with a vendor and you're thinking about who you want to actually partner with, because that's what it is. It's partnership. It's, you want a really solid solution, something you can trust. And then you want a solution built by people who really do uh, look to the future and stay abreast of all of the legislation and changes that are happening and things like that. And then that also just are really good people. So I happen to think that's the trifecta. Yeah, I, 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 I agree, Trish, with all of that. And I'll just add one more thing is I lived in the area where Paychex is headquartered for quite a long time. They have a special affinity for me, too. I know a lot of people there personally and have known for many, many years, including uh, my for, a former boss of mine who's been on the show a couple of times, Lori Zuka, who mm-hmm. runs HR mm-hmm. for Paychex, internal HR for Paychex. We're going to get Lori back on the show, by the way. I'll have to reach out to her. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to I work with them. I think anyone that can up with being your boss, they deserve <laughs> a boss. So let's just slow clap right there for Lori. Yeah, she she's fantastic. Everybody there's fantastic too. So and and just last thing, you know, we're making a little bit of a big deal about it because it is a big deal to us. We had a lot. uh, We get approached all the time, Trish and listeners as well. We get approached all the time about organizations who might want to work with us or partner with us, and we're very very selective about who we work with. And I couldn't feel better about uh, uh, partnering with Paychex on the HR Happy Hour show this year. And so they'll be with us all year long. So you'll be hearing us talk about them, you know, pretty much for the rest of 2020. And we're super excited and thankful and proud and just really appreciative of everything they do. So uh, that, that's it. That's our big announcement. And we wanted to make sure we got that out there. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we do get approached by, you know, a, a lot of times maybe companies we've not heard of. And, and so for us to say yes to someone, it's a lot of sort of soul searching and, you know, because we, we really only want to, um, help promote something that we actually believe in. And for me, that comes down to like, you know, if I have money in my hand, what would I spend my own money on? And so that's, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal when we work with yeah. someone like that. The only, the only, the only company I could think of that I might like nudge paychecks out of the way for if they approached us, Trish is diet, Dr. Pepper, I who if they that. came in hard, I may, but other than them, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to tell our uh, friends, Tom Hammond and Tracy Volkman that they, I guess they're going to have to send you a six pack of, uh, <laughs> order. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I actually wouldn't push paychecks away for Diet Dr. Pepper. We'd we, we make it work. But um, all right. So thank you, friend, everyone at Paychecks, and check them out at paychecks.com. So, Trish, let's talk Oscars. Oh. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is, I, you know what? Look, I think this started because of me because years ago, I don't even know how many years, it's sort of like the Rose Parade for me, right? So, um, 
I got into watching the Oscar movies. I had talked to you. You were watching Oscar movies. Maybe we weren't watching all of them or attempting all of them, but it just turned into something that's really fun to do. And, you know, often with the movies that are nominated for the Oscar, they're usually very, I don't know, um, intense storylines that are well-developed. And so I, I like to call them like smart movies, right? And I'd agree. Um, yep. So it's a nice way to start out the calendar year, I think, by going to some movies that, you know, might they're not big blockbusters necessarily. Sometimes they are, but um, so it's been fun over the years. And I think, too, it's a good way for us to see um, maybe where our agreement lies and then where we're not so aligned. So it's right. always a exactly. fun little rub there back and forth as to who who winds up right. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. And so. So we're going to talk to all the important categories, I think, uh, maybe a couple of the minor ones, too, depending on how the conversation goes. I will say just this up front. I probably could have said this at the top. We're, we're about 15 minutes in already. I would say mild spoilers from here on out, Trish. Probably not huge total movie plot giveaways, but certainly some spoiler probably to happen. Yeah. So if there's yeah. some big Oscar movie, especially all the Best Picture nominees for sure, which we will talk about every one of those. Uh, if there's one of those you haven't seen yet and are worried that some element of it could be spoiled, you might want to skip ahead or, or, or come back to the show after the Oscars. So there will be some mild spoilers. I'm not going to try to catch myself for the next uh, hour or so uh, every minute, but just warning everybody in advance. No, you're right, because you really can't talk about the movies without, you know, some sort of spoilers. So good call. All right. So. Let, I, you know, we've done this a, a number of times. I always sort of forget how we do it. Let Do we want to just start throw? – I'm going to go – I'm on the Oscars.com, or it's Oscar.com, I think, actual – the official website. I want to hit it, like, sort of in the order that they're hitting it on their nomination um, announcement, if that's okay. Can we do that and, and dive right in and maybe save the big ones for last like they do on the real show? Oh, yes. I think so. Yeah, we, we need to save Best Picture for last, so – yeah. All right. You that, go ahead and you pick the you pick the category. All right. I'm going to lead off then, right at the top. First category out of the box, performance by an actor in a leading role. That's right out of the box. Should we go oh, leading okay. or supporting? Let's go supporting first. I, I'm I actually going in the order Oscar has it on their website. I think supporting will be better. Let's go supporting first. Right. Performance by an actor in a supporting first. role. Okay. The okay. nominees right. for supporting actor. Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. This is a, a loaded category, Trish. Um, I will say in advance, I did not see the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't see that one. I am too. I actually, I did see all the movies in this category. So, okay. Yeah. And I guess for any listener who hasn't listened before, I mean, obviously we try sometimes though, based on where you live, you can, you know, there are some you just can't get, um, you know, in a theater right then, or some that, you know, aren't streaming yet, things like that. So there may be right. one or two here or there that we missed. There are but a anyway, couple here and there I haven't seen. But I, yeah. I saw all five and I'll just say right off, off the top. Tom's was one of the best performances, in my opinion. I okay. thought the movie, it was one of those movies where I kind of went into it a little bit like, mm, I don't think I'm going to love it. And it's, it's really different because I had seen the documentaries about uh, Mr. Rogers. And I was a huge Mr. Rogers fan growing up, had watched probably every episode at some point. And 
this movie was done where it was almost like an extra long episode of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And it, it just had a lot of other information um, to it. But what, what I liked about Tom Hanks's performance is, you know, obviously he doesn't really look like Mr. Rogers, but he really did such a nice job with his mannerisms, his cadence and the way he spoke. And very quickly, I really forgot that I was watching Tom Hanks and I really just in my heart felt like it was Mr. Rogers. And of course, the way that Mr. Rogers speaks and what he talks about is so comforting most often that um, it's a real, even though it's a tough movie at times in certain parts, they're dealing with some tough topics. um, It, it just makes you feel good because it's Mr. Rogers. So I'll admit that I think Tom Hanks should get the, uh, get the support. You're going to, you're going to pick Tom for your pick. So I'm I'm a little bit, there's a difference between what I want to win versus what I think will win. So I will say that is what I want to win. How about that? Yeah. I think that's probably the better way to approach this too, is really pick the one. If you had a vote, who would you be voting for? It's it's, rather than us try to predict who might win. That's not as fun really. Cause we, we, that's why we go to see all these movies, right. To kind of share what we thought about them, right. uh, Ourselves. Mm So I'm sad I didn't see that movie. Uh, I do like Tom Hanks, although he is no Tom Cruise, and, and I'm on the record oh. as <laughs> as stating. I did see the other movies, though, and okay. and, I, and I'm going to start. I, I think I'm going to go to a place here based on the couple of chats we've had about some of these movies in the last month or so. I think you might not agree with, but I think there's a clear winner here, Trish, and okay. – He's, he's sort of the favorite kind of, if you read some of the oh. trades, Variety or Hollywood Reporter, et cetera, oh. people think he's kind of due. He has never won. The only person nominated in this category who has not actually won an individual acting award, which is because a little bit surprising to me. Actor. And that's Brad Pitt <laughs> from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, to me, uh, this performance, and we'll talk more about the movie later, but this really was kind of apex movie star, you know, Brad Pitt, kind of playing an inside uh, character, right? Playing a stuntman in movies, right? And kind of doing just all the Brad Pitt things, you know, looking like you looking like a movie star, acting like a movie star, kind of doing some tough guy stuff in this movie, as well as kind of a, he had a kind of a sad undercurrent to him as well, because he has, was not as successful as, um, his friend uh, in the movie played by Leonardo DiCaprio, just a a really, I thought a great performance in a movie that I liked a lot. So I, I, and I think it's, I think this time the chalk will win out. I think the favorite will win. I think, I think Pitt will win. I liked the Irishman a lot too. Um, Although it it was difficult at times to kind of figure out all the jump cuts in this movie and the time shifts. And we'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. as well. But um and I liked Hopkins and the Two Pups as well, and I have some things to say about that movie too. But to me, it's, it's clear it's Brad Pitt all the way. I think you're probably right. I do think he'll win. Um, I just, I still, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And we can talk about that in the movie later. I didn't get the movie. I tried three, <laughs> I tried three separate times. And for anyone who's listened back to the prior years, there was a couple years ago where Fences was one of the ones. It's like it seems like every year there's one movie I literally cannot get through. That was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I even mm. today, I bought it. I own this movie. I've tried three legit. I think I times. do too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I can get like forty minutes in, and I'm just like, oh, if I if I have to torture myself another moment, I can't. So 
so I turn it off. So all I right, don't know. Well, all right. So we'll disagree on that. And I think we'll probably disagree oh, we'll a little bit later as well. But um, okay, that's good. All right. So that's kind of how it goes then, uh, gentle listener. We'll hit a few more categories just like that until we get to the end. So let's go to supporting actress, uh, I think, next, Trish. And okay. The no- I'll, I'll just do the nominees here. Um, performance yeah, by an actress. In a- go ahead. I said you can do the nominees. You have them right in front of you. All right. Here we go. So for supporting actress nominees, Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and finally Margot Robbie in Bombshell. So, um, and again, I hate making these caveats. This is where I'm a little bit weaker too. There are two movies here I did not see. I did not see Richard Jewell or Bombshell. And I, I kind of feel bad. I wanted to catch Bombshell and I didn't, but um so I'm, I'm, I'm picking from a limited kind of selection here of the three. I'll, I guess I'll start off uh, on this one, Trish. To me, it's a tough one because I did – of the three I saw, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, and, and Florence Pugh, I liked them all. I liked all of these movies uh, at different levels. It's a toss-up for me. I, I am going to say Laura, Florence Pugh and Little Women would be my selection – and I will. I just want to make an admission, Trish, before I turn it over to you about Little Women. And I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. I had heard of this this book, right? It's a it's a famous book from you know whatever 120 years ago or whenever it was written, and it's been made into a movie six or seven times. There's been different movies of Little Women, which I had never seen any of them, nor had I read the book. And in my mind, I thought, you remember the old TV show Little House on the Prairie? That was on TV right. in like the 70s. So I, for some reason, I thought in my head that they made that TV show based on the book Little Women. They just changed the name, right? But that, that, I thought that was Little Women. And so this past weekend, on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> I dragged myself to the movie theater by myself to catch a matinee of Little Women, not knowing anything, anything about it other than Little House on the Prairie is my frame of reference. Oh, no. Oh, no. The movie starts and we're like in New York City and we're in Boston or Paris, wherever we are. And all I started, the first 10 minutes of the movie, all I could think of was what happened to the prairie? What happened to the, the ranch and the homestead and Mon Pa? I had no idea what was going on for the first 15 minutes of this movie. But I did like it in the end. Okay. I love that story. And I love just picturing you going in the middle of the day to go watch Little Women all by yourself. I, I sure did. <laughs> there was a few other old ladies in, in the theater along with me, but yeah, that's, that's what happened. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. That's really good. Okay. So I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I saw the same, the same three movies you did and did not get to see Richard Jewell or Bombshell. Um, neither one is playing anywhere remotely, like within an hour, hour and 20 minutes. From yeah. My I couldn't house. find Richard so, Jewell anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard because uh, from the previews, it looks like Kathy Bates does a phenomenal job and that's the movie. Um, if the listeners haven't seen it as well, that's the one about the Atlanta, you know, bombing back in, what was that? Like 96, maybe a long time. I mean, a long time ago. I think this is correct. Church, yeah. Is that right? So, um, yeah, I don't know where I pulled that one from. But anyway, yeah, so I really do hope to see that one soon. Um, I think you're right. All all of the movies, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, and Little Women are all really good in their own ways. And all of those actresses did a really nice job. Um, I think, this is where it goes like thinking what I want. 
I think Laura Dern will win because mm. she is such a cutthroat attorney. Oh my gosh, she is. And from what I hear, a lot of her um, best dialogue, she ad libbed in the moment, which oh really makes okay, it, which makes it even that much more interesting. Um, but I really, if I had my vote, where would it go? It would go to Florence Pugh because in Little Women, I think it's uh, again, I'm like you. I had never read the book. I had not seen any of them six or seven movies. And I was happy about that because I really didn't know what to expect. Either. I wasn't going in looking for Pa and Laura, but uh, <laughs> I really? didn't have any expectation. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have any expectation either, other than I, I kind of thought it was supposed to be about Joe, which it is. But um, anyway, Florence plays the character Amy, and she does a really, really great job. I just sort of fell in love with her. So I would love to see her win, but I think probably Laura Dern's performance is is going to crush the competition. Yeah, she was quite good, and and there's a lot of great performances in both of those movies. Great acting performances in both Little Women and in Marriage Story. And um, yeah, it's a tough call for me. I you know I would say this, and it's almost swayed my vote. Is I, I didn't really I know it's a beloved story, and it's been made you know seven times into movies. I didn't really buy a little bit of Little Women. I didn't completely buy how it turned out. You know, it, it, I, I'm not going to worry about spoiler alert from a 120 year old book, but the fact that, um, you know, that the neighbor guy uh, whose name right. is escaping me now, Lori, Timothy Chalamet, kind of yeah. so easily pivots from sister number one, who he was in, allegedly in love with his whole life to, to marrying right. sister number two, who he knew for 10 minutes, it seemed like, and he was okay with that. But uh Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's a different time, but um no, I no. I think, you know, the thing is maybe maybe how I'm interpreting a little different and why it's still a very relevant story is that it really was, you know, Josephine or Joe as she goes by is is such um a powerful woman in her own right and she's wanting to go off and explore the world and she basically is saying through the whole entire movie she doesn't need a man, which is so uh, No, I'm not I'm I, I'm buying the fact that she she didn't want to marry the Lori guy, that's, that's totally relatable and understandable. My, my problem was Lori just saying, uh, you know, heartbroken Lori to just kind of then go all in with the sister who was kind of the complete opposite of the, the one he thought he loved. Right. Too like personality wise. I don't personality wise, probably. Yes. But he really couldn't handle someone who was so headstrong and independent and wild. Right. He wanted and the pool was very small where they live. He had, you know, she was a pretty girl. She was going to wind up being. I, I don't know. know, but all right, we're, we're, we uh, we don't want to turn this into the Little Women pod. We could we could go on up for a while about this. <laughs> I didn't quite buy that, but um, okay. but a good That's- movie nonetheless. I like, and I'll say this, and this is a good thing about these movies. Like we go to do this show every year. This is this certainly is the only reason I would have dragged myself to a matinee on Saturday afternoon to watch this movie. But I liked it more than I thought I would. I really did. I had very, very low expectations for this movie. Figured this is not my kind of movie, right? And um, I liked it quite a bit more than I thought I would. Okay, I, I would agree with you 100% on that. I think I might have, I might have watched it on rental, but it was good. It was definitely worth worth viewing. I don't know that I would recommend going and spending the money to go to the movie theater for it, but yeah. It's a good movie. One thing I learned, though, Trish, I've recently relocated in the new area where I live, which is different from where I used to live in the great uh, uh, Rochester, New York environs. The movie theaters down here sell, like, craft beer and wine. That's, like, a normal thing. 
I ended up being in, I guess I went to two different theaters in the course of this little exercise to prepare for the show. And both of them were like fully stocked craft beer bars and, and wine counters at the theater, which I thought was pretty awesome. At the theater here, they're definitely doing that as well. Wow. So that was new to me. I was kind of, uh, I, I, it helped me, honestly, it helped me halfway through Little, Little Women. I'm not going to deny I didn't necessarily get up and decide it might be time for it might be time for an IPA to help me through the second half of this movie but um yeah that's fair that's fair yeah all right, all right. So the- let's do it let's go to uh performance by an actor in a leading role and here are your nominees Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Adam Driver in Marriage Story Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. Trish, I will throw it to you on this one first, because I'm still, honestly, I'm still trying to decide who I like. Are you trying to decide? Okay. All right. So disclosure, I did not see Pain and Glory. And let me tell you why. I watched the trailer. I like Antonio Banderas. I'm, I feel like it looks like he does a good job. There are so many movies in this particular lineup, and I had already watched several of the documentary movies at this point. I had watched Parasite at this point, and I was going right on to Pain and Glory. I could not watch another two-plus-hour movie of subtitles. There's, it was just <laughs> – I'm, I'm being honest. Like, I think that's part of it, too, right? So, um, you know, some of these I'm trying to, to have on during my work day. Some of them I'm watching in the evenings, whatever. But it was just – you know, I sat through like three other subtitled, you know, two and a half hour movies. I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. So that one I have not seen. Um, of Leonardo, Adam Driver, Joaquin, and Jonathan, I, I saw all of those movies. As I mentioned, I'm not a big fan. I could not get through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, although I think that Leonardo did a great job. Like that's where in my mm-hmm. mind, Agreed. what I did probably, I did make it through probably 40 minutes, three times. And because I'd started over each time. Did you get to the scene when he's with his, his, uh, the, the child act actress, young child actor, female he's working with in, in the movie or TV show. Did you get to that no. scene? No. Mm. Do I need to, I think I'm going to have to, all right, before Sunday, That's I'm going to make a scene, a very, very good scene in the movie. Okay. So yeah, it's worth right. it's just Leonardo and this, this younger girl who's playing an actress in, in the, in the, in the TV show that Leonardo okay. was in. So, Okay. I will, I will go back and watch. I will. I will get through this movie if it kills me. But so just based on that, but I will say, I, I feel like I've watched definitely enough to judge. He did a phenomenal job. Um, Adam Driver, let me tell you what, Marriage Story, and we can go into this in a little bit here, but that has got to be the most depressing, <laughs> wonderful movie I've seen. Um, you know, as someone who's going through all of that right now in a very nice way, it just, ugh. I don't even want to see a bad divorce, you know? So I love him. I think he did great. Um, I watched The Joker. Joaquin is amazing. You know, he lost all this weight, the way he moves his body, the way that he conveys so much um, acting without speaking a word actually is, is exciting as well. But this goes back to, I, I probably think Joaquin will win, but if I had a vote, it would go to Jonathan Price from the two Pope. Interesting. The reason being, number one, I love Jonathan Price. I, it goes all the way back to like when he was in Evita and played Juan Perón. Probably had a big crush on him back then, but um, no. 
the story that that Netflix put together for the two popes um, is so delicately told, I think, at times. And I felt like I really believed he was the pope. And that's that's the difference, you know. I believe as I'm watching Joaquin play the Joker, I never believe he's the Joker. It's still in my head that's him. It's it's Joaquin. With Jonathan Price, I really believed that he was the Pope. Yeah, something that's a good. Uh... His caring eyes, his mannerisms, the way he delivered his lines—it it was just—it felt real. So that's why I would pick Jonathan to win. I I would be very sad that he doesn't win. Yeah, that's I enjoyed that movie as well. I I think it's a Netflix movie. Streamed it uh, recently. I liked it. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that backstory either. And and I think I I was kind of close. And I will admit as well, I did not see Pain and Glory either. So I did see Leonardo, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, and, and Jonathan Price. So ruling out Pain and Glory. And, and I did read some of the buzz I read is is that Banderas actually has a shot at this. Apparently his performance is really really good. And so maybe it's something to circle back on and, and try to catch. But um, I'm torn a little bit as well. And this is where I get into, you know, it's, it's, it's so personal, right? Art, movies, mm-hmm. books, music, what have you. I did not enjoy the Joker movie very much. And I didn't either. That, fact, that factors into this for me, right? So whether it's actor, actress, director, certainly for Best Picture, like I didn't feel, I, I'm not, I know, and, and we'll get to this later, especially if we talk some of the documentaries, I, I'm not saying I need my movies to be pleasant subject matter and happy and positive endings. I don't need that at all. But I found the Joker a little bit just unnerving, a little unsettling. I didn't enjoy watching it. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel good after it was over. Like, uh, and, and and that's good in a way that it's challenging material and it wants you to think. But at the same time, I was just like, ah, I just spent like two hours and I didn't enjoy almost any of it. So. And I was thinking Jonathan Price as well. That was the one I had penciled interest before you started talking. And then there was one little element here. Here's, here's the reason why I'm going away from Price, which is this. In, in this movie, in The Two Popes, there are several flashback scenes, or they're really segments, quite honestly, where we see a younger, a younger Jonathan Price character, Pope Francis, as he's a younger priest coming up through the ranks in some of the um, trials and tribulations that they had, he had in his life. And he's played by a different actor because it's, it's, it's a flashback back 30, 40 years. So it's not the same. It's not Jonathan Price. It's a different guy whose name I don't have in front of me. And I thought that was such a big part of the movie, the, those flashback segments. And then the okay. actor who played the younger Pope was very good as well. But I feel like that takes away a little bit from the actor who you're saying is the best actor in a leading role when a, a, significant chunks of this movie are flashback played by a different a different person a different actor so that's why i crossed off price and i landed at leonardo dicaprio okay. so this is like two, yeah i thought he was outstanding i thought i really did like this movie obviously i liked it a lot more than you did um i know he won recently for the revenant and he he they, mm-hmm. they may not look to, to sort of award him again but uh i thought he had a very uh, uh significant role, complex role. The scenes with him and Pitt were great. Um, and that one scene in particular, if you do get to see it where he's with that young actress playing, uh, talking, uh, uh, I think you'll like that too. So almost by process of elimination, I went with Leo here. I don't feel great about it or strongly about it, but that's who I've got. No. And you know what? I think that's a good example of you don't have to love the movie to really appreciate 
the acting. And so that's when I, I think if he wins, I would be very happy for that. Like it's, that, that, this category, again, it's Antonio is probably one that's also really good. Um, I, I think any of any that they chose this time around for nominees are actually all quite good. good yeah. So yeah. you really can't go wrong in this category, no matter who wins in my opinion. All right, we'll kill. Let's get one more category, then we'll take a quick reset. This is best uh, performance by an actress in a leading role. Here okay. are your nominees: Cynthia Erivo and Harriet, Scarlett Johansson making another appearance here in Marriage Story, Sarsi. I don't know Sorsa. how to pronounce her name. Sorsa. 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 Ronan in Little Women. Charlize Theron in Bombshell and Renee Zellweger in Judy. Um, my caveats here is that I did not see Harriet and as we mentioned before, did not see Bombshell either. So I'm picking only from three. Okay. A tough one for me, but I think there's a clear favorite. It seems a little bit um, what the press is also leaning towards. And I did watch this movie the other night, which is Judy. Renee Zellweger was quite, uh, incredible in this movie. I did not know anything about the Judy Garland story, like the real life story. I mean, besides the wizard of Oz, I had no idea. Like I was completely ignorant of, of the challenges she had in her life. I had no idea she died so young. Um, it was kind of a, a sad movie in many ways, but I definitely got the, the sense that Renee Zellweger kind of inherited that role. It didn't even look like Renee Zellweger, Zellweger although I'm not, completely sure I know what Renelle, Renee Zellweger even really looks like in her real life anymore, but um, maybe that's good. That's like a, like a, a compliment to an actor or an actress, right? I have no idea what they're supposed to even look like, but um, uh, she's in pretty much every scene in the movie. The only reason to watch this movie is her performance. I think she's going to win. And I think that's, that's the choice I would make. Yeah. I I'll agree with you on that one. Actually, I saw all of them except bombshell. Um, I think, you know, Harriet was a, a really good performance by Cynthia Erivo. Um, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, I didn't really like her. I didn't like her performance in that one. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that there was ever chemistry between her and Adam Driver. Like, I didn't ever believe they were married. So that right. one, I just, I can't, I just can't get there. Um, Sorsha Ronan, who I love and adore, and I think she did a great job. But I think when I compare her to Renee, it's kind of the same reason I picked Jonathan Price. With Renee, I believed she was Judy. I forgot who I was watching. And that's, to me, that's the, the edge. Um, while Sorsha Ronan was a very good actress and it was, you know, a very challenging part for her, I thought that the Judy Garland story, I think also, too, if you haven't seen Judy, and it's not, it's not about her whole life. It really isn't. It's really about her last few weeks when she was performing in um, London. Yeah. Right at, the, right at the end of her life, actually. And so it's, I mean, there are definitely flashbacks to tell you sort of how she got to that point, but it's really more about that short time in her, in her life. And the other kind of fun fact on Judy um, that you might not know is Renee does her own singing. Oh, and I did so not know that. Yes, and I think that's, a, that's just another uh, another reason why if an actor can can take on not only the role, but then they're not lip syncing, she's actually singing those songs. And um, it was interesting because I read an article where they were talking about 
um, in some of the scenes where, you know, it's like her final performance, it was, it was Judy Garland's final performance, when Renee went out to, to sing to that audience, right? So that she hadn't seen the audience, the audience had not seen her yet, and nor had her co-stars heard her sing these songs. And so when she goes out on stage, and they're reacting to her, that's their real reaction. It's not like the 10th take of some fake reaction, right, to the <laughs> Right. That audience really listening to Renee sing to them for the first time as Judy, yeah. which to me, that's, it, it, it blends reality with, with the story. So, yeah, I think, I think she should win. She did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah, and I, so I, I'd agree with you, too. And I was just thinking about this, like, you know, thinking about the movies I didn't see. And I, I mentioned I didn't see Bombshell, and I wanted to. There were two nominations from, for Bombshell. But then I thought, like, why would I ever want to go watch a movie about, like, a TV network that I would never want to watch? Like, I, I, like that to me just seems so um, awful, like, like, like a horrible uh, uh, investment of a couple of hours. So um, I think uh, Renee, Renee Zellweger clearly uh, – Clearly the favor here in this category, I think, is going to win. I think, Trish, we should take – can we take a, just a little bit of a reset? Absolutely. Take a breath here for a second. Everybody just, just dial it back down. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. Uh, we are doing our annual Oscars preview and prediction show. We're sponsored, as we mentioned at the top, by our friends at Paychex. Thank you to them for joining us for, for the HR Happy Hour in 2020. Uh, I hope they're not reconsidering that uh, sponsorship after this first uh, sponsored show. We're going off into into the weeds on the movies, but uh, we'll see. But um, uh, it is uh, the most fun show we do every year. And Quan, honestly, Trish, if you think about how much time we invest in preparing oh for the show, right? Watching yeah. all these movies, you, you know, this we put more into this show than any other show we do all year. There's no, it's not even close. That's true, because I think about every time I go to the movies and spend, you know, 12 or $13 for the ticket, and then by the time oh, I sure. spend another 15 on, you know, I'm not, I don't even like popcorn, but I can't just go to the movie and get no popcorn. I have to get popcorn and a soda, and, you know, it's like, I don't mm. even drink soda. So, yeah, this is or, a bad or, time. Or craft beer, as in in my case. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. So I um, went to Dr. Pepper, of course. Yes, I Dr. Pepper, too. <laughs> I Trish, so there's I I on my list and that's and there if there are other things you wanna you wanna dive into, please tell me. But I've got three more I wanna cover before we wrap. I wanna I wanna talk best documentary feature, because I did spend a lot of time watching documentaries. And then of course we want to do best director and best picture. Yeah, so let's go for those three. Documentary this year, I will just say, was my favorite category. Oh, you know what? I was gonna say the same thing. I literally was gonna say the same thing. I wrote that down. I think I liked this more in many ways than the best oh picture. Uh, incredible documentaries this year. I, I, I sadly did not see one of them, but the, the four that I did see were fantastic. Did you see all of them? I missed the cave. I have not seen it yet, but I'm going okay. to before That's Sunday. That's the same one I missed. So maybe I should do the, uh, let me go through the nominees on documentary a little bit. And I'll actually kind of um, give a little blurb on each one really quickly if I can. Um, because this is a category where certainly many folks may not have seen or not seen as many of them. Uh, nominees for best documentary feature. First one is Honeyland. This movie is about the last female bee hunter in Europe who must save the bees and return the natural balance where a family of nomadic beekeepers invades her land and threatens her livelihood. This film was filmed in Macedonia which is an incredible movie, incredible looking movie. We'll talk about that more in a second. The next uh, nominee is American Factory. 
which is this is one maybe made me more people saw. This is a t- this is a workplace movie, Hall of Fame movie too. We should probably do a whole show on this movie. On that one, yep. I agree. But uh, this is movie set in post-industrial Ohio where a Chinese billionaire opens a factory in an abandoned General Motors plant hiring 2,000 Americans. Early days of hope and optimism give way to setbacks as high-tech China clashes with working-class America. The next, nom- next nominated movie is called For Sama. This is, man, a wrenching movie to watch. It's an intimate and epic journey into the female experience of war it's a love letter from a young mother to her daughter. The film tells the story of Wad El Kateb's life through five years of the uprising in Aleppo, Syria. Next nomination is a movie I liked quite a bit, actually, called The Edge of Democracy, a cautionary tale of democracy in crisis. The personal and political fuse in The Edge of Democracy explores one of the most dramatic periods in Brazilian history. And it's, there's more to it. I'm not going to read it all. But the last one is similar to For Some. It's also called The Cave. I did not see this one as well. But it's another movie set in war-torn Syria about a dedicated team of female doctors who tire, tirelessly treat casualties in an underground hospital from two, six, 2016 to 2018. So similar in, in subject matter to For Sama, just slightly different. But wow, Trish, what a lineup of movies. I don't even know where to start. Um, and I have a very difficult time picking one as well. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to punt a little bit because I did just read a lot and I need to take a breath. Maybe just your thoughts on some of these documentaries. Sure. I, I have to agree with you. These are all worthy of winning. They really are. And that's, that's rare to say. I mean, we've, we've watched documentaries in the past and, you know, sometimes it's really hard to get through them just because they're not that interesting. Um, these are really interesting movies. What I like the most about the movies that are nominated this year is I walked away from each one, even though they might have touched on really tough topics, tough situations, but I walked away from each one feeling like I really, really learned about another culture. And I think in these times, just in our own country, that's so important right now. We're trying to be more aware and understand, um, you know, people with different backgrounds and different views. And so watching any of these, I think, helps you get a little closer to um, mm-hmm. having understanding for what people go through. I, I, I will say this. I, I liked them all. Um, I have a clear winner, which for okay. me is Honey. I literally could watch Honeyland a hundred times and never tire of that movie. For some reason, it's the, the thing about a documentary, if they're done really well, it's from the very first second that the movie starts, I always pay attention to how is that opening. Um, it, it's usually far different than a, a feature film. You know, it's much more intimate and personal. And I just felt like with Honeyland, I I fell in love with the main character. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. her to succeed. I felt when when she felt pain. Um, you know, she's she's basically in an abandoned town with her 85-year-old mother who's very ill, and it's just the two of them. And she's climbing up the mountain. She walks miles and miles to get to this mountain, climbs the mountain, goes to her bees. You know, she's she never has any protective gear on whatsoever. She sings to the bees. They don't sting her. You know, it's just this, it was like a love story to the bees is how I viewed it. And <laughs> I just loved her. I, it was a very nice movie because it was, it was very calming to watch almost to get, you know, 
as you mentioned, there there are some other factors that come into play later on in the movie, but I don't know. That was my favorite. Second favorite for me, though, is American Factory. I have talked to quite a few people who have seen that one. I think, too, the fact that, you know, I work on HR Tech China. You've been to China, uh, as I have numerous times. We've done work there. We work with people regularly who are are Chinese citizens. Um, There is definitely um, a difference in work ethic and culture, and it is front and center in that American Factory documentary. So yeah, I, I, I totally would agree with that, Trish, and maybe this is why I like that movie so much as well. From our experiences over in China, I've been there four or five times. We're, we're hopeful to go back this year as well. Um, I think it's important, bigger picture, right, going forward, that um, our country and China um, uh, find ways to understand each other better, work better together, live peacefully together, uh, you know, forever. I think I think one of the main challenges with this, which this movie really brings to the forefront, without hammering it over the head, but it, but I do think just again from from a movie like this and just our own experiences too is that it's sometimes hard for people uh, here in the U.S. to sort of um, relate to the idea of a culture like like in China still for the most part where um, where the individual person is often seen as much less important than the institution, right? And, you know, when, so when this Chinese company comes over and opens up their, their U.S. branch of their factory and they're manufacturing glass for automobiles, they're expecting the workers to have this incredible loyalty and discipline and subservience, really, honestly, to, to the company, to the institution, because that's the expectation and that's what's uh, the culturally rewarded and acceptable in China. And obviously here in America, it's a little bit different. That's the entire movie to me is, is that there's, there's that clash, right? That in, in it's, it's fascinating. It doesn't really resolve itself either, which also I think is a good, an element of good storytelling too, because it's a super complex, you know, question and set of problems. So um, love that movie a lot. Um, I agree with you. Honeyland two is right up there for me. Um, uh, I think uh, I'm probably going to go American factory though. That would be the one I would select. I think it I think was probably the best one, most interesting one to me. Probably will win. With honorable mention to, you know, you talk about Honeyland a lot. I'll mention for Sama a little bit. Oh mm-hmm. my God, that's a a hard movie to watch, but an important one as well. I feel sad to admit I didn't know as much about what was what was really happening over in Syria over in that time period. And this documentary helps to um uh, helps shed some light on what was really happening and and how, how many people were suffering over there. So it was, it was very eye-opening. Yeah, I agree. And I think nowadays with so many people having Netflix, Hulu, all these ways to stream these type of movies, I, I would just highly recommend any, you cannot go wrong in this category this year. It's really worth your time. And um, I think American Factory, I, I'm okay if they win as well, because I think too, if you're an American citizen and you watch that movie you will appreciate the rights and the freedoms that we have here and, and some of the protections that we have in place for ourselves as employees. Um, that it, it, That's where the culture clash comes as well. You know, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, uh, the Chinese workers are working, you know, I think they said uh, it was like 16 to 18 hour days every day of the month and they'd get two days off a month. Yeah. So they might go home to see their family once every six months. And that was normal. 
That was absolutely normal. And there's nothing wrong with that. I will just say that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how they are raised, and that's that's what they expect. And it's just extremely different from what from what we do and how we how we work. And um, so yeah, really good movie. Yeah, all all really good as well. And even the Brazil the movie about the Brazilian political kind of intrigue. If you're a political junkie, I think you'd enjoy that one as well. Yeah, I agree. Really good. And so I and I want to see the cave before Sunday, just so I can say I've like closed out the cave. I do as well, honestly. Really yeah, good, really good things on that movie as well. So I think again, um, these this is how you educate yourself really when you watch things like this, reality based, you know, um, and that don't have good resolution, right? There's no happy ending sometimes. It just is what it is. And so that's, it'll leave you feeling unsettled, but maybe that's what it takes sometimes to bring about change in our world. So, yeah. All right, Trish. So we're towards the end. I think maybe just to try to be mindful of, of wrapping this up, how about we do this? How about we just like hit the best picture nominees? There are nine of them. And then we'll kind of okay. wrap the best director talking to that same conversation because. There were five nominations for Best Director, which are five of the nine Best Picture no, uh, nominees. Maybe we, we do it that way. Let's do it that way. Okay. So did you so, see all of them then? All of the Best Picture nominees? So, Trish, I'm proud to say with my my uh, heroic trip to the matinee for Little Women and one other trip to some other theater to see – I forget which other one I saw in the theater um, – I did. I I did see all nine Best Picture nominees. Uh, how about yourself? I did. I made it. <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to Amazon Prime for Ford versus Ferrari and Jojo Rabbit. Yes, I made it as well. I watched Jojo Rabbit last night. That was it. I wrapped it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because that one just became available yesterday. So that was. That's uh, right. I know. That's right. More behind the scenes kind of intrigue at the HR Happy Hour show. We were going to record this show yesterday, and we realized we had to wait one more day so we could see Jojo Rabbit. Um, so we, we pushed this out to a Wednesday recording. So, all right, real quick, the best motion picture of the year nominees are Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, which is also nominated for Best Director, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, where my director list? Uh, I don't know if that's nominated for Best Director. I'll come back to the directors. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just just to make sure I get this right, the the director uh, nominees are Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Tarantino, who doesn't need a first name, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. We have not talked about Parasite at all on this podcast, Trish. I think we should probably at least start there, and then we can maybe hit some of these other ones as well. Yeah, let's at least talk a little bit about these. Um, so Parasite was nominated for some other things, uh, categories we're not covering. Um, and and for me, it's, it's really this is about the difference in um, – you know, in class. Um, so it's it's a, a poor family who is really interested in sort of the wealthy and glamorous uh, Park family. They start integrating themselves into the Park family's lives, and they really just start. You know, if you think of a parasite, it, like lives off the host. That's really what um, what the character 
uh, Kaitech, which he goes by the name of Kevin, and his family sort of become the parasite on this wealthy Park family. Um, it's interesting fun fact, the entire movie was shot in 77 days. Mm. And while this is the very first uh, South Korean movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture, um, it is. It does have subtitles, but let me tell you what. Every single person that I have told, like, you must go see this movie, and they all love it. Everyone has said it is absolutely worth sitting through and reading the subtitles to to hear this story. It is beautifully told. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's so different, and I won't spoil spoil this one. It, it's got a okay. some the the last twenty minutes are crazy. And the other one thing I read about it, uh, this movie, which is interesting, is that, yeah, so the whole kind of theme is this very rich family and then this very poor family, and the poor family kind of leeches onto the rich family and gets themselves employed through a lot of misinformation and deceit and some con artistry, et cetera, et cetera. But the other side of it is, boy, this rich family can't really exist without these poor family people helping them, right? They can't seem to get their crap together. They can't throw a party. They can't get their kid through school. They can't teach their, their other kid how to play the piano or whatever the one was teaching her, right? Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like they needed each other in a way. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to look at it too. Yeah, this is one for sure. I will just say this. I am the worst when it comes to guessing endings and my daughter is the best and even she couldn't guess the ending. So I definitely don't want to give a single thing away on this one. I would just say, if you have not seen Parasite, I don't care if you have to rent it, buy it, go to the, you know, whatever, watch Parasite. It's really, really worth, you know, the two-hour time investment. Yeah, another movie we haven't talked about much either because it, it did not get any acting nominations as well, neither did Parasite, it was 1917, which seems to be a favorite for winning Best Picture, this is a World War I story about two soldiers who are chosen to deliver an ambush warning message to another British regiment that's isolated deep in German enemy territory. It's shot incredibly to make it appear like it's one long, unedited shot, which I don't think it was, but it feels like just two hours of real-time action in one long shot. I will say this, one, you know, I, re- I did write down some snubs that I wanted to mention. I won't get through them all in my extensive <laughs> prep for the show, Trish. How George McKay, who plays kind of the primary soldier in 1917, <laughs> did not get nominated for a Best Actor Award, to me is criminal. He's in every right. shot of the movie for two straight hours, and it's, it's nominated for Best Picture. It, 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 many people think it will win. And this guy gets nothing, no nod, no sniff. That's a crime, Trish, crime. I will tell you what, I agree. And if he had been nominated, he would have been my pick for sure, hands down. You know, maybe he's a a lesser known actor, but he did a phenomenal job. Um, I I will be honest. I went into that movie thinking like, "Mm, I'm probably not going to love this one. What a great movie. Like, what a great movie. It, um... It's a little long. I think, you know, it's like any of these movies. Sometimes you think like, oh, you could probably cut 20, 30 minutes out of some of these and, you know, but what was really fascinating too, it was different than than what I thought. It's not your typical war movie because it is shot like a continuous shot. Um, The cinematography is beautifully done. The costumes are just, oh my gosh, they're, they're absolutely perfect. And like, that was one where it didn't even get nominated for costume design. Really? Okay. 
you know, sometimes they'll show you like close-ups when the, when he's walking and it's like the mud is all in his uniform. And it's like, I'm sitting there watching it thinking like, oh my gosh, these are the best costumes ever. And then I look and it's not, it didn't even get a nod for that as well. So yeah, definitely some snubs on this one. Um, it, it takes place in a very, what, do you, what would you say, like 36 hour time frame maybe? It's a very it short like amount even, of time. Yeah, it feels like even less, but yeah. you're right. It's 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 a, it's a compact movie in many ways, um, unlike some of these other yeah. movies, which like uh, it, it, there are marathons to get through. Um, visually appealing, gripping story, a story, and, and kind of like sometimes war movies are, are a little bit anticlimactic because you kind of know the ending to them. Like we sort of mm-hmm. understand the story of D-Day. We understand Dunkirk, which was a really good movie, but like we're right. more familiar with what those actual events and this movie was kind of an adaptation. We weren't really sure what was going to happen. There were some surprises along the way, quite honestly. And um, I liked it for that as well. I really did like the movie quite a bit. Trish, speaking of too long, another movie we should just touch on briefly um, uh, is the Irishman. Okay. Which, which uh, is a Netflix movie, an adaptation of Frank the Irishman Sheeran's confessional account of his life as a hitman for the mob. There's the labor unions. There's Jimmy Hoffa in there. Uh, some great acting. It, it feels like a like a, 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 a somewhat retold Goodfellas kind of story, and Goodfellas quite honestly being the better movie, which is maybe one of the problems with this movie, Trish. Like you watch this movie, and all you can think of is Goodfellas, and maybe even the, to a lesser extent, The Godfather which are both superior movies to The Irishman, which is, I think, one of the problems with this movie. I was going to say, about, you know, an hour into it, I'm thinking, like, oh, my goodness. It's like every good person from Goodfellas, I would rather just turn this off and go watch them in their heyday. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, lo- I love Al Pacino. I love De Niro and, you know, Joe Pesci. Like, they're amazing actors. But, but truly, for this particular story, it really, like, go watch Goodfellas. Save your time, save your money, go watch Goodfellas. I would say this Pesci was very, very good. And uh, I almost thought about picking him as a supporting actor and also De Niro getting a snub. I mean, you know, maybe America's most famous actor or well-regarded actor over his long career. No nomination for De Niro was surprising too. Are they really playing characters? No, they're just kind of, he, he's playing every character he's ever played. I don't know. It's just like a stretch to me. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I don't Let's mention a couple more real quick, just because I feel like we haven't talked about, as, you know, there's so many of them, Trish, we can't talk about them all. Do we, do you have anything to say about Ford versus Ferrari? I don't have a lot to say other than I liked it. I don't feel like it belongs in this list. I think it's just a good popcorn summertime movie. Do you have any thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah, I would agree with that. So it's about uh, American car designer, Carol Shelby and the driver, Ken Miles, um, as they were trying to, you know, build the car that would, you know, eventually challenge Ferrari, right, at Le Mans in 1966. So based on real people, based on a real event, um, it was an event I was not familiar with um, in great detail. So that was nice. It was, you know, I, I was still surprised at the end, at the ending. Um, Matt Damon, I think, does a really nice job, and Kristen Bale, too. I mean, they're, they're really good. There are some other familiar kind of character actor faces in the movie as well. Yeah. I think you're right. It's not an Oscar-type movie, but um, I liked it. I thought it, you know, it was good at holding your attention. There are some really, there's some really great scenes in there, um, you know, and just 
you know, there's there's Lee Iacocca's in there as a young man, and you know, just the whole story of Ford and yeah, kind that of, surprised me as well. I mean, I I was not familiar with the story at all, and when okay, the, and the one actor comes in, the older gentleman who's also a guy who's in a ton of movies lately, and say, oh, it's Henry Ford Jr. and and Right. And let me introduce you to my, my assistant here, Lee Iacocca. I was like, oh, Lee yeah. Iacocca, I, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was kind of funny. Now, this is one, now, see, where I'm saying, like, don't watch The Irishman. I don't think that should be on the list. I don't think Ford versus Ferrari should actually be nominated. But I would tell somebody, like, oh, yeah, that'd be, yeah. If you, you know, if you like Mad Damon, you like Kristen Bale, absolutely. That's a good movie to go watch. Yeah, good action, shot well, yeah. looks good, a pretty movie, good, you know, if you, if you dig that 60s vibe with the clothes and the, the aesthetic, right. right, and fast cars, great, really good movie. Not, not an Academy Award winning movie. I have one more, Trish, only, and then we'll get to our picks that I do want to talk about a little. And there could be a little bit recency bias here because this literally was the last one of these I watched last night, and I think you did too which is Jojo Rabbit. This is about a young boy in Germany during World War II named Jojo. He's lonely. He learns that his mother is actually hiding a Jewish girl in their attic, sort of like an Anne Frank kind of vibe there. And mm-hmm. Jojo, you know, is got in his little 10-year-old head that he's going to be the next, you know, Nazi superstar. And he, you know, he struggles a little bit with that. Eventually becomes very, very close and friends with the Jewish girl that they're hiding and some other things happen, you know, which are, I'm not going to spoil the rest of the movie, but I mean, the thing to me, which was uh, just interesting, I'm not saying I liked it necessarily. And a lot of people have come down hard on this because it's, 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 they're acting like, you know, making like, it shouldn't be like kind of um, joking material or satire material though, is he has an imaginary friend in his head that he talks to, which is actually Adolf Hitler, but it's not, the Adolf Hitler that you think it's sort of a comical satirical, you know, making fun of Adolf Hitler thing, but, it, but, but Hitler quote unquote is in this movie a lot, which I guess from reading about this movie a little bit, a lot of people had, had a big problem with um, it, it, it's a movie. Unlike anyone I'd ever seen before. I liked it, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit ambivalent towards it as well for that reason. Trish, I don't know what you thought about it. So I just watched it as well. Um, it was definitely, I'm glad I watched it. I don't know that it should be on this list. I it did actually remind me of of sort of two other movies stylistically. So stylistically, it's beautifully done. The colors, the way that the the sets look, um, it really if you like Wes Anderson movies, it really 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 reminded me of like Grand Budapest Hotel or All right. Moonrise Kingdom in the way that Wes Anderson kind of shoots his movies. This to me had that same type of feel, but I would say that if you like that type of movie, I would not watch this one. Go rent Grand Budapest Hotel or, you know, Moonrise Kingdom and, and do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit out there. It was fine. I'm okay that I watched it, but yeah, it, it definitely shouldn't be on the list in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've talked at least somewhat about all of the movies on the best picture list, some more than others, rather than, you know, recircle around back to them. I think we'll do this, Trish. Let's go to the director nominees one more time. We'll make our picks and then we'll make our pick our picks for best picture. One more time. The, the, uh, the nominees for directing are from the Irishman, Martin Scorsese, Joker, Todd Phillips, 1917, Sam Mendes, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, and finally Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, I'll go first, Trish, if that's okay. Um, 
I'm curious because I've been dying to try and like figure out who you were going to choose. There are some ones in here I know you like, so I I think it's I think it's 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 very very tough. There's only one I obviously can rule out because I just did not really enjoy the movie, which is Joker, and I'll rule out the Irishman too because I just think it was it's interesting, but there's way better versions of this movie as we talked about a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with Tarantino here. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I like this movie a lot. And I think honestly, Trish, I think this is the kind of movie that's going to age pretty well. Now it is set back in the late sixties, maybe early seventies. So it's, it's not a contemporary movie. So that part of it won't make it age badly. If, if that makes sense, it's already set in the past. I think it's going to age well. It's an interesting story. It has a fun, it kind of a clever ending. I'll call it, I'll call it that. And um, two big, big movie stars, arguably at the height of their powers, both in nominated roles here. A director, oddly enough, who I believe Trish has acclaimed director who's never won for directing ever. And uh, maybe it's his time as well. And from what I hear is that the uh, Oscar people like movies that are about the movie business, which this movie is about as well. And uh, I'm picking that one. I'm picking Tarantino here. Okay. I really hope anybody but Tarantino wins. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm going to try my best to get through this movie. I really am. And I, I like a lot of different movies, so I don't know what it is that bothers me about this movie. I will just say this. I think, and I'm hoping that what happens last year, which really made me upset last year, if you remember green book came out of nowhere in one best yes. picture. I know you and I both loved Roma last year. I, yes, loved, I loved Roma. I really wanted Black Klansman to win. We had Black Panther and Bohemian Rhapsody and some other really, the favorite, had really good movies. And Green Book comes out of nowhere and takes it. So I guess with that in mind, anything's possible. And I think, if I have to say what I think is going to win, I think it's going to be 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do feel like people like that sort of that epic kind of story that's just, you know, you don't necessarily know how it's going to end. I think that's going to win. But man, if I, if anything in my power can help like send good vibes to Parasite, I really, really want uh, Bong Joon-ho to win for director. I want Parasite. I want them to win it all. I literally want them to be the green book of this year and like take it all because I can't I always think back to like like I said with Honeyland what what movie could I really watch like a hundred times right Parasite that's the one if I never see another movie on this list again I'm totally fine with it um the way that that Bong Joon-ho tells that story the way that the the cinematography is the just everything about it yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, and, and I think it makes sense when you're kind of thinking about the Academy Awards to kind of ride the movie that you thought, for whatever reason, was the best one, the most compelling one, you know, the most gr- gripping one and, and moved you the most, et cetera, and, and feel like, you know, root for it to, to kind of make that sweep. And with that in mind, I, and I don't think it's going to win uh, – I don't think it's going to sweep. Like I've basically, I've picked it in almost every category here that it's nominated for. I will pick once upon a time in Hollywood for my best picture. I, I, I liked parasite quite a bit. 
and I'm thinking though that are, are we ready, you know, in the U.S. Academy Awards to to do kind of a foreign language film for Best Picture? It's never happened. I'm not saying it shouldn't have happened. I thought it should have happened last year with Roma. If it didn't happen with Roma, which I which I kind of thought was a better film than Parasite, um, didn't win. Wow. Uh, I, 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 and I like I said, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's going to age really, really well. I think it's a movie ten years from now. If you like stumble across it on cable, you, you know I'd watch it for a while anyway. And there's a couple of others as well. I'm not sure I would with Parasite. Maybe I would, um, but uh, I feel like it's. Uh, almost like a kind of a crowning achievement in some ways for some of these folks who are involved and have been around and been in our lives, our movie lives for a long time with Tarantino and DiCaprio and Pitt. I, I, and again, I, I just like the storytelling. I like the look of it. I, I think it's got a lot going for it. Will it win? Probably not, but I'm picking it. That's what I'd vote for. Win then. It, so do it like that. Like I do. What if you, if it doesn't win, what one do you think will win? I think 1917 is going to win. I think. Um, war movies have a pretty good track record of, of winning Academy Awards. There's been quite a few of them. And uh, I think that's probably going to win. Do you feel like it's because that's a more generally appealing movie to the masses? Uh, I, I think the filmmaking of it, the, the kind of this whole, oh, it's one big continuous shot thing intrigued a lot of people. It's, it's emotional, but without being... Um, uh, it's it's got a weird ending too that makes you feel could make you feel good about a, a, an awful war movie right in a way uh, without going into exactly how it ends and oh. so I, I think I think it, I think it could win I think that director is well regarded Mendez and um, did you, do you know he was the guy who did American Beauty all those years ago I didn't know that until I just read that today oh interesting I love that movie yeah well, same director. I think, you know, Parasite's um, thing that it has against it, not just being, a, you know, a subtitled movie, which is always, I think, part of the part of the problem. You have to really be willing to sit down and watch it. It was like that with Roma, right, where you have to really be yeah. sitting, sitting down and attention to read it all to get the full emotion of the story. But it is also nominated for international feature film. And yeah, good point. I, I think they're going to give that award. I think it's going to get the Oscar there, which then they'll feel like, oh, we don't have to do it. But it's up against Honeyland, too. So then I'm like, oh, that's another one where if they give international feature film to Honeyland, they may not give it in documentary. So there's a little bit of game playing on the ballot, I think. We'll see how it all turns out. But Can, And I want to ask more. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Jojo Rabbit a second ago, and it just hit me now. One of my snubs. And I don't know how you feel about child actors or actresses getting nominated. But mm-hmm. the, the boy who plays Jojo, I don't know how old the actor is in real life, but his name is Roman Griffin Davis and mm-hmm. uh, c- carries that movie. It, it says here on IMDb, he was born in 2007. So he's, he's not quite 13, he's 12 years old. And he plays like a 10 year old in the movie. So it's about right. Yeah. Uh, how does that, that, how does he not get nominated? I, I don't know. Because, and look, um, I'm reading here. He was nominated for a SAG award. So, I mean, he, he's been nominated in other award ceremonies. It's really strange that you're right. He is that entire movie and he does a great job. What a great yeah. little kid. Like he, amazing, yeah. amazing performance by that little kid. I'm yeah, jealous. He did, a, he did a nice job. Wow, Trish. So I, I don't think, 
I didn't look at any other categories, by the way. I didn't look at any of the technical stuff, music, song, any of that stuff. So I have no comments on anything else <laughs> with the Academy Awards other than what we've well, talked about so far. I, I think the only one, we don't have to go into them, but I think for me also, I look at cinematography because it's really, that's okay. such a huge, a huge part of how the story gets told. Um, we don't have to pick them. I think they're actually pretty good. It's uh, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, we, we didn't talk about The Lighthouse, but I mean, again, I think what I'm, what I'm liking about this year's list is that in a lot of these categories, it really is like, it could be anybody's name. They all did a nice job there, um, you know. Same thing with like you know makeup and um, some of the other yeah other costumes ones. and yeah, yeah yeah set design yeah. production design yep no there are no losers in these lists I think really the only list that that I would change all is is best picture I think nine is too many I would really love them to cut that down to maybe five and. Yeah make a go of it you know so. for me honestly if you're going to do nine best pictures or eight or seven or whatever throw a couple more acting nominations out there like why not like we're, we're talking about robert de niro getting snubbed george mckay getting snubbed the little boy from jojo getting snubbed you know christian bale we didn't mention ford versus ferrari nothing right for him he was very he was good in that great. movie he was yeah. great like, I don't so i guess i don't understand sometimes what goes into the nomination process of of each one, but yeah, it's like, how do you win? How can you win best picture if you don't have the other categories represented? That's, you know, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, yeah, time will tell. I will tell you though, I don't think I'll be as mad as last year. It's like when you say <laughs> it, to watch that final best picture and then it's green book. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. I went to bed so mad. So I'm hoping that like, I guess like what, if I have to look at it, what would make me angry if it won? Um, yeah. maybe, maybe your your pick if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh wins. yeah, I guess that's the one, the one you can't watch. You should try, just try to fight your way through it before Sunday. I promise I'm you, it'll grow this, on you. I'm going on record. I'm gonna finish this movie if it kills me. So maybe maybe I will like it if I get past the first forty minutes. Yeah. Well, it looks like I've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with a, with a fairly big sweep. It, I'll probably be wrong. You're more uh, over the map. You've got a lot of different selections, and um, uh, you're probably going to be closer to being right. I think the only one we agreed – well, we agreed on a couple of them. We both agreed on Renee, Renee Zellweger. And yeah. we, no, that was it. I think it's – no, Florence Pugh. We agreed on her. So we had a oh, couple yeah. we agreed on. I hope she really Yeah, she was great in that movie. I really liked her a lot, even though I didn't, I didn't sort of believe – any of the story, but uh, she was really good in it. Even though she wasn't playing Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> yeah, I know. They should, they should rewrite that story. I can't believe I didn't know that. But then, you know, I guess I just, I never really thought about it uh, along the way. So, all right, Trish, we did it. In, 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 you know, it's, it's fitting that for the podcast, we spend the most time on, the most uh, effort in, the most investment of our our emotional labor in that is our longest podcast of the year, probably as well. That's cool. I'm glad. I hope, I hope folks have hung around to the end. I hope you enjoyed it. And honestly, like we're doing it anyway, every year, even if you don't particularly enjoy it, if you, if this wasn't your cup of tea, tune in next week, we'll, we'll talk about it's benefits administration or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we're, just, we're just like the real show. We've just saved you two hours of your, of having to watch the Oscars. Yeah. 
And, and the funny thing is, after all this time, all this prep, all this thing about it, I don't actually watch the Oscars usually. I, I might turn it on for a minute or two. It, it's not my sort of cup of tea to actually watch it. So um, maybe we need our own award. That's it. We just need to change it. We'll use their nominations, and then we give our own awards for these movies. That's a good idea. We should do that. Or maybe we can do some sort of HR Academy Awards next year. We'll have to think about Ooh, that. Soon. All right, cool, Trish. I think I think we can wrap here. So the the Oscars is this Sunday, February February ninth. Yes, this this show we actually recorded it live. If you couldn't tell, so this will be posting uh, almost immediately. Uh, thanks once again to our friends at Paychecks. Um, we're so happy to be working with them. With Paychecks, uh, you know, with us this year, we're going to have a great year on the HR Happy Hour show. Um, they make it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage their employees. They make your payroll easy and automatic. They handle benefits programs, and they help guide you through your human resources challenges by keeping you up to date with ever-changing laws and regulations, online, mobile, over the phone, in person, any combination of the above. Learn more about that at Paychecks.com. And one more shout-out to our friends there, Trish. That's right. We love them, and we're so excited to be working with them. Also, look back in on uh, our HR Happy Hour archives because we've done some shows with Paychecks. We did one in December with Tom Hammond, um, who is their executive in charge of product, and it was a really interesting show. And we talk a lot about um, compliance, end of year, beginning of year, sort of compliance, and how to be prepared. And it was a really good show, really good episode. Absolutely. So, all right. Good stuff, Trish. Uh, So enjoy the Academy Awards this weekend. That's right. You too. All right. That's it from the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes for Trish McFarland. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next time. And bye for now. You have